Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is Sandy Weiner, and I am the founder of LastFirstDate.com. I am the dating, love, and relationship coach for women over 40 who want to finally attract and sustain a loving, healthy relationship. We have a great show for you today. I'm going to be speaking with Louis Congdon. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I'll find out in a minute. And we're going to be talking about practical ways that you can improve your communication skills and have better relationships. As a dating coach, it is my mission to help women over 40 recognize the qualities of a good man and learn the skills that it takes to make love last. And one of those skills is communication, learning how to communicate um, in a healthy manner, learning how to communicate your needs um, right away instead of waiting until things get worse. Um, these are the, one of the hardest things to do in a relationship, and it's also one of the most important. So I'm very excited to be speaking about that today. And in my experience, um, the women who come to me are um, they're successful at everything pretty much in their lives except for love, and they're often making mistakes that can be avoided if they know what those mistakes are. And it's really... Um, very difficult when you're dating or in a relationship to know what those mistakes are. And that's why people hire dating coaches um, or relationship coaches. So one of the mistakes that I see happening over and over again is women who are very successful in the workplace um, bring their competitiveness to dating. And um, and that doesn't work in in the dating world. It works in the business world. So we call that in dating and relationship coaching, we call that masculine energy, um, the energy that's about competition and right or wrong and um, and just, you know, that argumentative, instead of bringing that feminine part of you, which is what the men that they're attracted to are really interested in, um, in terms of relationships. So a man may respect you for your competitiveness and your success, but that doesn't make him want to date you. So I would love for anyone listening today to be able to find that loving relationship, and that's why I have created a free guide for you that explains the top three dating mistakes that midlife daters make and how to turn them around so you can find lasting love. If you would like your copy, all you have to do is go to lastfirstdate.com and sign up on my homepage because I want you to go on your last first date. Today's show is sponsored by Audible.com. They are a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you like. And in order to get your free book, um, all you have to do is sign up for your 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash last first date. And now to introduce our guest. Um, Louis Congdon is a relationship coach who has worked with hundreds of couples, and he has taught the work of some of my favorite relationship um, therapists, Drs. John and Julie Gottman. He has interviewed the top relationship experts through his podcast, Lasting Love Connection, and he teaches couples around the world how to break their limiting pa- patterns 
and have lasting love. So I'd like to welcome Louis to the show. Hello. Hi. It's awesome to be here. How are you? I'm doing great, Sandy. Thanks for having me on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for being here. And um, tell me how to pronounce your name because I have a feeling I'm getting it wrong. Luis. It's Luis. Okay. I yep. was Louis, yep. Luis, Louis. <laughs> okay. I have just different it. different languages call me different names, you know. It's the same name, just a different language. So Luis is Spanish, Luis is English. Okay. Well, I want to get it the way that you would like me to pronounce it, so let's call you Luis. And um, I'm really thrilled that you're going to be talking about communication and dating um, and, and people who get stuck in patterns um, that they need to break because this is a very common issue. So let's talk about the patterns first. Um, so this often happens. Couples fight about the same thing over and over again. Some people say they have the same conversation over and over again. Um, so what can they do if they find themselves always fighting about that same thing again and again yeah you know after working with over 200 married couples and i was uh 26 at the time and i'd worked with over 200 couples and within my first year of doing the work with couples one of the first things i noticed is it seemed like married couples had problems and well (laughs) everybody has problems but they seem to have problems that the solution was always the same and the problem was generally the same. Now, it changed. You know, some couples argued about who paid the rent or what religion their child was going to be raised in or parenting techniques, but the solution was always the same. And one of the first things that I advised couples to do was to, instead of trying to solve the problem, try to listen on a deeper level. You know, so whoever can be kind of the more mature person, if you will, and ask your partner questions around that problem. Hey, I'm noticing that we argue a lot around, you know, what our child eats for breakfast. And it seems to be something that really upsets you. And I want to learn more about you. And I want to understand what it is about this topic that really irks you. And what I found is that when one person does that, what happens is you're pretty much kind of like pouring hot water on ice, you know, because both people are kind of cold, they're set in their ways, and it's like two fists bumping. But as soon as one person is able to say, okay, I'm going to help you open, and I'm going to try to understand what's going on for you, I found that the solution arises from there, you know. And a lot of times, couples don't actually create a solution. They create understanding And then the problem is no longer viewed as a problem. It's viewed as a gateway for deeper intimacy and connection. Hmm. I like that. Um, And I I see that, you know, when I'm working with with women, um, that a lot of people are looking for specific things in a partner. And you don't always get exactly what you want or you think you want, Um, but often, if again, if you peel back and see what's underneath and try to understand the person, you can see that you have a lot more in common than you may think um, because the values of a person are so important, right? This is, mm-hmm. sounds like you're talking about what's, what's really motivating a person to make the choices that they make and to be so um, hard 
in their choice, like to stand so hard in that choice um, because it's a threat. There's a threat there, mm. right? Yeah, that's so well put. And that's, I mean, that is, you hit the nail, you know, right on the button because a lot of times people will be stuck to their beliefs or theories or ways of doing things. And then when we challenge them, they just really hamper down. And when we don't challenge them and we open them, a lot of times what happens is people find flexibility. But we won't find flexibility with anyone if we're pushing against their values. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And it can it can really make you get your back up when you feel that kind of threat um, that your values, your very being is being threatened by, by your partner. Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. And we don't, we don't like to feel the last person that we want to feel that we're against is our partner. So when we feel that we probably hang on even tighter to that value, even if we're willing to change it with someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fairly true. So it's important for people to understand themselves first, right? To understand what is it that their, you know, what their needs are. I mean, do you help couples to identify those things first in order for them to even recognize what what feels threatened? You know, it's kind of like what came first, the chicken or the egg. I've found mm-hmm. that we can work at it from various ways, you know, what is it that my partner needs or what is it that you need? But mm-hmm. ultimately what I've discovered is as soon as one person is willing to say, okay, honey, I want to understand what you need, then that opens up the gateway for the partner to understand what they're needing and for them to have space to talk about it. But if one party is not doing that, then the discovery process generally doesn't work too well. So I have to be really open to understanding my partner and what's going on for her around this issue in order for it to really move. One person has to kind of, uh, you know, we talk about in like Eastern or kind of like Chinese medicine, so to speak, we talk about like rock and water. And one person has to become like the rock and one person has to be the water. One person has to say, okay, I'm going to be soft. I'm going to be open and I'm going to just allow you to speak. And if you're stuck and you're the rock, that's going to be okay with me. I want to learn what this rock is and what it has for me. And looking at marriage research, especially if we study like the work of Dr. Harville Hendricks, we'll find that this is a really common phenomenon that couples do get stuck in patterns. And these patterns are there to help us mature and grow and become the people that we've always wanted to be, but we've battled against. And so I'll mm-hmm. give you an example in my own relationship. Is that okay? Would that help? Yeah, please. I love that. Okay. So in my relationship, one of the patterns that my partner and I had struggled with for quite a while is I would shut down emotionally. You know, I just would not talk about something. And when I do that, it does not feel good for her. It makes her feel like, wait, are you going to leave me? It, are you not interested in talking to me? And for me, it's my way of avoiding issues. You know, So I would mm-hmm. say, I'm fine. That was my pattern. I'm fine. And mm-hmm. she'd go, no, you're not fine. Like you, I'm noticing you say this a lot when you don't want to talk about something. You're afraid of hurting my feelings. 
And so what we ended up doing is we named the pattern. This is kind of the first thing that I have couples do is, well, let's name this pattern. And our pattern was I'm fine. And what happens when you do this pattern? Well, Luis shuts down. He says I'm fine. And then his Kamala, my partner, starts trying to get me to talk. And then I get frustrated. I get upset. I close up even more. Okay, well, what would be some different options? Step three here is now identify some different options for dealing with this pattern. And what we said is, okay, when I'm saying I'm fine, Kamala can say, hey, I'm noticing you're doing the I'm fine thing. And that immediately changes the pattern because now we've named it, right? As soon as you name something, you have control, you have power over it, and you can identify it. So Uh as soon as I say I'm fine, I have two options. I can say, well, you know what? I am doing that, and I want to let you know what that's about. Or my second option is, you're right, I'm doing it, and I would really like to talk about it later because I'm still not feeling ready to discuss it. We don't have that pattern anymore. (laughs) So I'm really happy to say that, that we don't have that pattern. But that was a really big challenge for me, is to learn how to open up and be willing to maybe hurt her feelings or to admit that I was taking something really personal that wasn't personal or that I was upset about something and it hurt my feelings. And I don't like doing that. Mm. That's a great example. So a lot of times we don't realize the impact that our actions have on our partners. And um, what's great about this example is that you were both able to clarify how you were affected by your pattern and, and, and work through it in a way that felt safe to you, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Um, and and safe to her. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's yeah, quite, it's, yeah. It's definitely a lot safer for both of us now because I know I'm safe to say how I'm feeling, and she knows that she's safe to probe, and she also mm-hmm. knows that I have a safety word, you know, that I can say, hey, I'm not ready to open up right now. Mm-hmm. And then she doesn't have to go, okay, he's holding something in. I've got to try to figure it out. He's not going to tell me. Because it's really hard when we're not connected to our partners. I mean, a relationship is for us to feel connected to another person and to feel safe with another person. And if we don't have that in our relationship, then relationships break down. And that's where patterns end up start coming up. And then people repeat those over and over until they mm-hmm. decide, okay, we're going to figure out this pattern we're going to break it, we're going to connect, or we're not going to stay together. Mm. Yeah, so there's always options, and I think that um, what happens when people don't break these patterns also is that they start getting, women in particular, I can speak for my own gender, is that (laughs) we get naggy, we get pushy and naggy, which is the opposite of how you need to be in order to get closer. So you're actually pushing your partner away instead of drawing them closer um, because it doesn't feel good to have somebody pressure you to give the response that they're looking for until you're ready and to do it in the way that you feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, So let's talk a little bit about... um, we spoke about how women can can listen to their partner and help them to open up a little bit. um, and I know Gottman speaks a lot about arguing and the four horsemen of the apocalypse, which I speak about on the radio. Um, 
Which are the worst ways to argue. So if you can talk a little bit about how we should not argue, and then um, and then we're going to talk about some positive ways to, to work through some um, some tough situations that come up in relationships. Yeah, I love that you know the four horsemen. That's Gottman has really <laughs> made an amazing contribution to relationships by really laying out some research and just making something incredibly visible that couples can look at and say, oh, okay. And the four horsemen are some of the four warning signs that a relationship is doomed and is headed towards divorce or towards ending. And, you know, one of those is criticism. So let's talk about how to not argue. Criticism is horrible and a lot of people do it. You know, criticism is when we put the other person down. Well, you're always late. Well, you never listen to me. Those are criticisms, by the way, whenever we say always or never, which is a hard one mm-hmm. to p- pick out for people, but it's it's there. Uh, another mm-hmm. criticism is, well, you're a slop. You know, so when we just name the person and then whatever it is that we don't like in their behavior and we combine them. So you are a slob instead of, well, you tend to leave the house pretty messy and it upsets me. We just go right towards the person and name them as the issue. And uh-huh. people take that personally. You know, another one is being defensive. It's a really big one. It's a really incredibly natural one that pretty much everyone does. Uh, I include myself in that one. And, I'm, you know, it's one of the biggest ones that I'm working on these days is not to blame. And blame is blame or defensiveness is something happens and then I say, well, it happened because you did this. Well, I, you know, the kids are yelling because you don't know how to talk to them. So we put the issue back on the person and we don't take ownership or responsibility. So those are the two biggest ones that I really see. You know, there's like put downs, um, you know, those are, but the really the two that I feel like if we can get those two out of the way, we will change it significantly. There's a lot of misconceptions around how people should argue that arguments maybe should look nice or they should be friendly or they should be loving or whatever. There's just a lot of ideas. Now, if you talk to the Gottmans, what, one of the things that you'll find is that when they argue, it's it doesn't look pretty. You know, they kind of elevate their voices. They seem pretty upset, frustrated, but they're not criticizing each other and they're not blaming each other and they're not being defensive. But they do, you know, speak kind of in a high tone. Well, I'm really upset, you know. And mm-hmm. the key thing is that they feel safe with each other, expressing their emotions. They feel safe letting each other know the issue. And there's no a knowing that it's not so much that they that they find a solution to the problem. It's their ability to stay connected throughout the problem. You know, mm-hmm. so one of the things, you know, we were talking about problems and couples repeating problems. Well, 69% of marriages, according to um, the Gottman's research, 69% of problems in a marriage are perpetual problems. Those are problems that are going to repeat over and over. And 31% of the problems in any relationship are problems that we can solve. So most of the problems are issues that we probably won't have answers to. But the key difference between successful couples and ones that aren't is that successful couples are interested in being connected in listening and opening up and creating a safe space for both to express and to stay connected. If I feel connected to you 
it's okay if you tell me, Luis, I'm really upset you're late, you know, and if you tell me that, but you don't blame me, you don't criticize me, and maybe you're even willing to say, I'm really upset that you're late, and I want to know what the heck is going on, that still leaves space for me to go, okay, you're feeling upset, but it's not like you're going to take it out on me. And a lot of couples take their issues out on each other. Yeah, well, you're mentioning a bunch of really important things. The responsibility piece and the connection piece, to me, are, are critical. And to um, to blame your partner and not take responsibility is one of the worst things you can do. And it's it's one of the reasons I like working with older singles is because hopefully – we know better, so we do better at this age. Um, but also the whole issue of connection, of like the fact that you're arguing not because you hate the other person, but because you want to get closer. The intention is is to stay connected, not to disconnect. And often I, I've experienced this so many times where the the beginning of the argument is just, it's so distancing it's really hard to it's hard to engage at that point um and i even had it with one of my siblings recently he came to me and he had something he wanted to talk about that he was feeling hurt but he didn't know how to express it and so basically it just felt like i want to get this off my chest and i want to talk to you about it and so i asked him right away do you want to have a conversation about it do you want to resolve this issue or do you just want to get it off your chest because that's really what it felt like and I couldn't talk to him from that place <clears throat> yeah yeah and then giving you some space as well to share what was happening for you you know it, it didn't sound like you felt like there was a space for dialogue and for for him to also say hey this is how I'm feeling I'm curious what was going on for you Mhm. oh for me you're asking me yeah, you, no, I, I don't. I, I'm not asking you what was going on for you. I'm saying that he didn't create that space where it felt like, okay, well, this is how I'm feeling, and I also want to know what was happening around this problem. What was happening for you? Were you aware that I felt this way? Can we talk about mm-hmm. it? It just sounded like you got blasted, and then there was no space for you to also have dialogue. True, and he also had come to my son the night before to talk to him about it. And mm. and my son, who has really good co- communication skills, said, this has nothing to do with me. If you want to speak to your sister, you should speak to her directly. And so he cut mm. it off right away, which I was so proud of him for that. Um, that's also important is not to involve other people and triangulate arguments. Um, that's a whole other discussion. So... Um, Let's let's talk about um one of the things that's that's hardest to talk about and that is um asking for what you need sexually. Um hmm. and um if you can address how a woman can ask for what she needs um sexually without without feeling like she's going to hurt her man's feelings. What hmm. would be a good way to address it? Hmm. Well, you know, if we're afraid of hurting our partner's feelings when we're asking for something, that's a pretty clear indicator that we're still working and learning how to ask what we need from our relationship. You know, and I really like the work of Dr. David Schnark, who really focuses on sexuality and the way that he looks at sex is that the problems that arise in sex 
is essentially like a funnel. And at the very finest point of the funnel, you're going to drop in all the problems. And then at that fine point of the funnel, sexual problems arise. But those sexual problems are due to other problems that have been thrown into that funnel. And so if we're wanting to ask and improve our sex with our partner, I think it's really great that you're noticing that you want to ask. And it takes a lot of courage to bring that up. And I think that if you just create a little space with your partner and say, hey, I'd really love to talk to you. I feel really sensitive about it. And I'm not sure how to open up. You know, could I have a little time to share with you what's going on for me in a time that's good for you? And by doing that, we're setting up our partner to win. And so we're letting them know there's a sensitive subject. I'm going to need, you know, a moment when you can be really present for me and when we can talk and I can really have your listening. And that would be the first thing because men do take that kind of stuff personally. It's it's hard not to. And we don't want to like just come at our partner while they're working on work at work or, you know, we're having lunch and you just bring it up. A lot of times we want to handle that with sensitivity and really set our partner up to know, hey, I have something really personal to talk to you about. And then from there, you know, you can start talking about, hey, you know, I haven't been feeling the best around our intimate life. And I'd really like to share with you about that. Can I do that? And so just handling each step carefully, I think, is kind of the 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 first steps that we go through. And then just like the rest of our communication, we try to say it in a way that doesn't blame our partner. You know, hey, when we've been intimate, I've been feeling absent or I feel like not all of me has been included and I really am desiring to be touched in some different ways. Can I share with you what are some of the ways that I really love being touched? Can I share with you some things that... I think would make it even better for us. So really focusing on trying to give positivity feedback. So instead of saying, can I tell you the things that you're doing really bad? I want to let you know that like you're, you know, you don't touch me and I don't really like the way that you touch me. Like that, that doesn't really work. Instead focus on the positive things he can do. Men, we crave being able to serve our partners and to make them happy. And if you let us know, hey, this is going to be even better if you do this, and I would love it, it's probably going to go over pretty well. Some men may take it a little personally. And if your partner does take it that way, just let him sit with it and let him know, hey, I'm not saying that things are horrible. I'm telling you, you know, things are going pretty well. And I'm also hoping to make them even better. I just really want to connect with you. And I know it's hard for me to share this stuff. And I'm really happy that you're letting me share. So just affirming whatever is positive and affirming that, hey, you're listening. Thank you so much. Hey, I, you know, I want to let you know these are some of the things that are working really well. And if we add these things, they're going to work even better. Mm, that's great. That's really sounds so easy and um, connected and not threatening. And um, it's so important to stay positive and also to check in. Like you've said, you've said this a few times, check in for a good time to talk. And I, this is so important. People often bombard somebody with a conversation before they have their attention and before the other partner is really listening. And boy, do I remember 
so many conversations where I'm like in the middle of work and somebody will come over to me and start talking to me. And and worse, I think, with, you know, sexual issues is to talk during sex about how to, you know, stop doing that, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. you know, things like that. That doesn't work too well. Um, you know, I want to add so, another tip, too, for women. Yeah. Men okay. were really, at least for me and a lot of men that I've spoken with, because I can't speak for every man. I'm really careful about that. But what I found that works really well is for women to say, hey, there's some things that I really like, and here are some of the things that I enjoy. Also, they're not that way all the time. One thing I know about women is, is or people in general, uh, but women especially, is what works one time in the bedroom is not going to work every time. And it's really easy for men to get caught in A, B, C, D, and she likes that, and I'm just going to follow that formula. And some women, you know, are kind of like, I don't want you to do A, B, C. I want you to throw in a E and then change it back to A and, you know, switch things up a little bit. And one thing women can do to help their men know what's working well is say, hey, you know, the things that you've been doing have been great, but sometimes some of the things that you do, I want you to do something else. And so I wanted to add extra moans to help guide you. So when you're doing something I really like, would it be okay if I moaned a little louder or if I rubbed your head or did something? And that's a really soft way to guide and coach your man. And I personally really enjoy it in my own relationship because those moans allow me to go, okay, she's liking this, do more of that. And then when the moans kind of die down, you know, maybe I'll switch things up. So that's a really also easy way to guide and clue your man into what's working or isn't working. Oh, that's great. That's great. Great communication skills in, in all aspects of relationship. And um, real quickly, Louise, this has been a wonderful um, show. And can you just share how people can find you? Yeah. LastingLoveConnection.com is one way you can find me. You can also go into the iTunes store and type in Lasting Love Connection and check out my podcast. So those are two different resources, and I hope that you get some value out of them. I have a lot of freebies there for you, and it's been a real pleasure to be on the show today. I really, really want to thank you, and I hope that everyone got some ideas on how to improve their relationship and have more lasting love. Oh, thank you. These have been great tips, and I'm sure people are getting a lot of value. Thank you again for being on the show, Luis. Thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you all for listening today, and I hope you all go on your last first date very soon. Have a great day.